You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 151 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. Jay. Hello. And Andy. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, guys. Have you had a good week of hobby? Not bad. It's been a it's been a week. <laughs> yeah, mine's been a week as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go free for free there and say it has been a week. So on this week's show, uh, we're actually going to be talking about uh, a, bit, a bit about Warhammer Plus because we got to see Old Bailey a couple of days um, early. Uh, there was a bit of a, a sneak peek of Warhammer animation, so that's going to be our main section this week. I'll let you know what we thought of it. Uh, we are also going to be talking about our top three ideas for animation shows we'd like to see come to Warhammer Plus. So these could be brand new stories. These could be stories that have been told several times, maybe in Black Library novels or, or in lore and codexes or anything like that. Um, so we're going to be discussing our thoughts and then we'll be also reading out some of the community top three picks towards the end of the show. We've also got uh, all of the latest news from the world of Warhammer as well. But before we get stuck into all of that, let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this week. So I'm going to start us off this week because I have done barely anything um so i have um put a little bit of skin down on to kragnos um when i said that this guy's going to take me a while because i wanted to make sure he was spot on oh boy did i mean it um <laughs> he's taken me quite a while but matt you did get a sneak peek the other day i did we, we managed to have a game didn't we we did we did so um the cameras weren't on uh we had a, a, a well it was a, my first match play game of age of sigma 3.0 um, so we had to pick like grand strategies, which I'd not done before yet, um, and battle tactics each turn. And this was all like brand new because we've been playing so much Path to Glory. But it was yeah, a really I good j- battle, wasn't it, Matt? I, I, enjoy, I, I did enjoy the picking the different like battle tactic each round. That was that was fun. Yeah. Um, you have to really so think, Matt, you've got to think a few turns in ahead of like, well, I could get this this turn, but it might be better to get that in turn four when you know I can exhaust the easy ones out the way. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm never going to win another game of Age of Sigma ever. <laughs> I can't. I can't even think that to the end of the turn, let alone another turn ahead. Mm-hmm. That's why I play Giants. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was a bloodbath, was re- wasn't it, Dave? It it was very much a bloodbath. So um, I brought along my Auric War Clans as a bit of a like last hurrah for the battle tone before it's replaced with the shiny new one. Um, and I did, of course, bring Kragnos. I tried to bring a bit of a flavoursome list with um all the different varieties of oryx so i had um i, I had kragnos leading it but then i also had a mega boss on four i had a unit of eye boys i had a big unit of savage oryx and i had a unit of gut rippers and i think that was pretty much it i had a prophet and a um a war chanter uh whilst matt you bought your your your, your good old trusty archeon the classic archeon Varangard, go on summon a couple of endless spells, point and click. It is I can play that army on autopilot pretty much. Yeah. Well Matt Matt double turned me at the beginning of the game and pretty much wiped out all the Orux in turn two. It was brutal. Absolutely yeah. brutal. Um but Kragnos did alright. <laughs> well I ignored Quake, so it was good. My, 
I, my biggest concern in your army was Kragnos. My guys wanted to stay well away from him. Um, so since he was way over on a flank, I was like, right, just charge forward with everything and wipe out the rest of the army then since he's nowhere near me. See, <laughs> I was I, I was adamant before that game started. that I, I thought because I'd seen what the Varangar could do when they're buffed up and Archeon's still alive, they could do a lot of damage. So I perhaps foolishly thought, you know, that it, Matt's just going to charge me and kill me. He's got more than enough damage output. But actually, you you don't actually have that much Ren, do you, Matt? So no, um, with, with they didn't. Defense, they didn't reliably got a two plus or three plus save on Kragnos. So I wasn't going to send anybody towards Kragnos. So yeah, did me a bit of a favour deploying him way on the flank out of the way from everything. Um, and unfortunately, your war boss ended up in the sword as well. It seems to be a running theme with our guys. <laughs> yes, it does, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, so, but let's be honest, it was a really fun game though. And even though mm. I did get my butt kicked. Um, it was great to have a full 2,000 point game because it had been a while. And also, like I say, I've not had a full match play game of Age of Sigmar yet. So um, that was that was really good. And it really got my sort of taste buds going for the, the next book as well. I'm really looking forward to that landing so um, I can check out that, that juicy content. And other than that, that's, that's it. Um, I still haven't picked Hexfire up from me, Jay. So I haven't been able to paint, uh, build any thousand suns. That's okay. The longer been... you leave it, the less weapons they have when you get the spruce. <laughs> it's, um, it's just been a busy week at work. So unfortunately, that's got in the way of hobby a little bit. But um, that's me. Uh, Jay, what have you been up to? Uh-oh. I don't think I've actually done any Warhammering this week. Uh, and there is a reason for that. True. That's not strictly true, oh, we Jay. Kill team. We play Kill Team. We did play Kill Team. Yeah, we Ross. played Custodies versus Genius of the Court. So it was a fun game, wasn't it? it Again, was a bit fun, of a yeah. bloodbath, but the other way around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what, what, um, we played the second mission, didn't we? The second narrative mission. Yeah, um, I forget what it was called, but basically there was, there was piles of scrap and we had to basically loot them, try and find an artifact and then kind of keep hold of it. Um, unfortunately, I started with lots and lots of bodies and ended with not so many bodies. Yeah, <laughs> I nearly but... killed a custody, though. That's, a, that's an achievement. With a mining laser, got him down to three wounds, and custodians have like 18 wounds base. The leader has 19. Yeah, yeah the mining laser shot tore a big chunk out of the custodians. Unfortunately for Matt, it didn't slow the custodian down a bit due to their gene-enhanced uh, physiology. <laughs> they don't, they can't be injured, and they don't suffer modifiers to anything. Um, so in the subsequent activation, the mining laser gene stealer cultist had made himself a bit of a target. <laughs> a pair of boots with a bit of smoke coming out of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we came to the conclusion that if you're in a firefight with a custodian or you're in a fist fight with a custodian, you've already lost. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it was only, we've only had a couple of games of kill teams, so there's different things I could have done there. When we look back on it, there's actually a strategy that puts him back into cover, which would have been great because then Jay can't shoot him back. And I keep yeah. just basically popping out with him each turn. But that's the kind of thing you pick up after a couple of games with a new system, isn't it? Yeah. It was. Yeah, it, was it was still it was still a fun game to watch. Um I just just apologies that the cultists couldn't quite hold their own, Matt. I know, I know. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, so I, 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 there's a reason why I've not done any painting though, and that's because I've picked up a new board game called um, Descent: Legends of the Dark, uh, and I've been playing that, and um, it tracks your sort of campaign in an app, a companion app, and I think I've just done nearly 15 hours worth of campaign on that game now since I picked it up last week. Oh, wow. um, oh, it is fantastic. So. It's like a, a dungeon court crawler RPG. Um, you've got um, crafting and um, looting like um, uh, components and things to make potions and upgrades for your weapons. Uh, you've got skills on your characters. 
all of the quests you're doing as you're going through this sort of campaign are all really varied. Um, so, for example, I did a quest where I had to uh, get into a burning um, alchemist workshop and rescue all of the books and gnome alchemists that were working in there while the floor was disappearing underneath me with fire coming through it. And then these golems came to life. I did another one where um, I'm helping this elf demon hunter track down this monster in this forest. And one of my party falls into this dream world. So then I've got basically two boards and two different games going side by side where things that are happening in the dream world are influencing what's happening in the real world and vice versa. Um, it does a cracking job of keeping all of the different quests and things unique. Um, so I'm really, really, I'm sort of hooked on it. I, I'm really enjoying that. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether I get any more Warhammer done this week before I go on holiday, because I'm probably going to be playing that to be fair. <laughs> Sounds really good. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, it, it got some um, bad reviews initially from before it came out it was a bit delayed i mean a lots of problem things i mean we've seen this week in fact games workshop are suffering from delays due to the situation around the world with the pandemic and shipping and whatnot um and then and then some of these sort of um professional reviewers had started giving it a bit of a um, bad write-up but now i think people have actually got it in the hands if you go onto like board game geek and these websites that cover all these board games it's getting rave reviews from actual you know real people uh, and well, I, I, I there's some kind of like website we were involved with where you could write a, a review and <laughs> well, share your thoughts on it, Jay. I think I will. I think this week I was thinking about that this morning. I think I will do a proper write up and review for the website this week and get that up before I go away because really, it's it's a good cooperative and it's a fantastic solo game. And I've played a lot of dungeon crawlers. I've got a lot of Kickstarters, a lot of board games. But I can honestly say that this one, it, it's it's up there with the best of them. I'm really really enjoying it. Well, I played uh, the first edition. Obviously, didn't have the app element, but that was a very good game. I, oh, I yeah, enjoyed the first edition. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I sort of know what you guys are into. You're into the same sort of thing as me with your computer games, your board games, your miniature games, and whatnot. I really do think you guys would love it. Uh, the app is fantastic. It tracks all of the enemies' health, and like it plays more like a a, um, a computer RPG where you can get like procs on your weapons, and you can like modify like the haft and the blades you can put different arrows in your bow that all have different proc effects which you just couldn't do with a traditional board game but the app tracks it all for you so when when i just managed to shoot an arrow into into a wolf on the other side of the board the app then procs this special effect which dazes it which allows my other companions to do additional damage and things like that um obviously you can loot all of the 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 bodies and then um the the interact with all the scenery something this game has its 3d scenery so in the box you've got all this cardboard scenery that you put together so the so you build the map and there's pillars there's trees there's wells bookcases all this kind of thing and you can interact with all of that um and it's got it has a really cool sort of card flipping mechanic so um one of your characters for example the elf ranger he has a bow and he has a pair of mirrored blades and you put those two weapons back to back in a card sleeve. And then during the game, you can flip as an action, flip the card up. So you can be using your bow and you can flip it over as an action to pull out your swords. Um, and each sort of um, piece of equipment you've got, each of your skill cards, um, they have a fatigue value on them. And you can basically, when you're rolling your dice to try and attack and defeat enemies, you can you roll your hits as normal, but you may roll an advantage symbol. And what you can do is you can spend fatigue to turn those advantages into hits as well. Each card has a fatigue limit, so your bow, for example, might have a fatigue limit of three, so you can convert three advantages until you're full then on that bow, and then you have to spend an action flipping it to, to remove all of those fatigue tokens so that you can start piling them on again. Um, so it's a game of managing when you flip your cards, how you distribute your fatigue tokens, when you flip, because obviously when, when you flip, you lose your fatigue, but you lose any positive buffs you have on that item, so you may have some re-rolls or 
or, or things like that as well that you will lose. It's really, really cool. I, 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 it, the, it's kept me entertained. I've played four, four or five quests now. They've all been completely different. And sometimes when you're playing Dungeon Crawlers, you get to a point in the game, a couple of hours in, where you feel like you're just going through the motion. You're just rolling dice to beat a defense value, to take the monster off, to get to the next tile. I'm not getting that uh, feeling with this game at all because... The app does such a great job of adding story events uh, like this um, elf assassin jumped in from out of nowhere in the last mission I was doing, last quest I was doing. It just keeps it fresh. So, yeah, I'll do a full write up. I'm not going to bore you all with the, the game today. But, yeah, I, that's why I've not done any Warhammer. <laughs> that's cool. That's a contender for a stream then. That'd be a good one to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it would. And uh, I mean, we're all fans of models. And uh, I know some board games can be hit and miss with models. But these models are they have the same quality as um uh warhammer quest curse city mm, uh, cool. it, it, that's how detailed and and how good the qualities of the actual models themselves um so yeah I'd, i i i would I, if anyone was on the fence about picking this game up they've, they've seen some of the mm, average reviews that some of the professional reviews are giving it i would look past them get onto board game geek there's loads of reviews and content on there of people who've actually you know real people who are playing the game and you won't be disappointed it's it's cracking game blow it's exceeded my expectations we when we went to the board game expo a couple of weeks back i was on the look out for it and they had a demo set up but i wasn't able to get around and play it um, and in a way i'm glad i didn't because i've experienced fresh here at home and i've just loved it so I tell you what if it's half as good as uh, it's uh, half as good as it sounds and yeah it sounds uh even you just chatting about it then jay i've already gone on the website now and checking it out <laughs> yeah it, it's cracking and it, it, i mean it, it's a great solo game and in between games as well obviously you've got the app and so you're based in this city but you travel out of the city and all these different narrative events pop up and as you move into the quest as well you get waylaid and you start speaking to someone on the road and there's a little interaction there and you get choices for your characters. So your characters have these things called motivations. So um, you can choose different paths and that influences then the interactions they have in quests when they're talking. It's really cool. And you also have this um, feats mechanic as well. So each of your characters that you're taking into the quest, um, they they have feats. So, for example, the, the, the human paladin type character, she may have a feat to um, hit an enemy twice in one round with her hammer um so you've got that in the background that you when you're playing the game trying to figure out what you're going to do each turn you think well hang on a second if i activate with her first and i can perhaps get two hits in with a hammer and that'll that'll put some points towards her feet mm. uh, 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 even though you've got the primary objective of the quest itself and those feats are what you use then to unlock additional skills for your character or recipes or weapon upgrades and things it's got lots going on it does feel like uh like world of warcraft almost when you're playing from that point of view um so, yeah, I, I won't talk anymore about it. I've talked a lot about it. I'll get a review up this week. But, yeah, definitely check it out. It's very, very good. Excellent. Yeah, sounds awesome. Uh, yeah, sounds like a good way of spending your time instead of Warhammering. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Andy, what have you been up to now with this week? Um, so this week I've had, uh, or last week, I should say, had um, some time off work. And naturally, of course, I wanted to do a bit of hobbying. So looking at my backlog, um, I wanted to finish off some stuff and just get it out of the way. Um, I mean, we're planning um, a little day up at Warhammer World, aren't we, in the next few yeah, weeks? Not and, um, yeah, I kind of want to spend the next two weeks just working on something new for that. So last week I spent the week um, finishing off the Liege Cavalos for my Osseot Bone Reapers, um, which gives me my second hero and also finishes off like a 1,000-point list. Um, 
hopefully by the end of the year, as part of one of my hobby resolutions, is to paint up a 2,000-point army. So I'm halfway there with only a few months to go, but Bone Reapers are quite nice and relaxing to paint because once you've got the bone done on them and you've got like the armor panels done, then realistically it's only like two or three colors and some washes. Um, so I managed to get the Legion Cavalos done. And then uh, continuing with the death models, I started painting up some of the stuff from the Cursed City box. Oh, so yeah. I, was, I was lucky enough to get a copy of the Cursed City and it's been sat on my shelves. And just thinking about sort of like people who wanted it but didn't get it, I kind of wanted I wanted to get it built and painted. Um, so I painted up the skeletons from the box, um, which I'm hoping at some point to add to a proper so white grave lord army but this is like maybe probably next year realistically maybe 2023 uh, if i'm being realistic <laughs> um but yeah so i painted up the skeletons um i painted up the varg skyer as well um which was really nice i went for sort of like um uh, a dark color scheme with it sprayed it mechanicus gray um did all the fur with like warm fang brown and then picked up claws and stuff and just gave it a wash of um agrax and no oil and then just a little bit of a dry wash here just to you know bring up the colors and stuff um so i managed to get that and i was starting on um is it radicar the the wolf the wolf the the, the original version or the beast, yeah the, the big the super scion version the, the the smaller version is the wolf isn't it the wolf yeah yeah so i've managed to get him almost done i've got all the base colors done and stuff um but i want to give him um some washes and then obviously like finish off the base and stuff um but yeah so i've managed to get a decent chunk of curse city done um from the death perspective and finished off my osseot bone reapers and then um i also painted up some uh necron warriors uh, as a color scheme um i was kind of undecided um uh, last week's podcast how i wanted to paint them but I started with um, Lead Belcher, and then I added in um, its Warlock Bronze for the weapons, and then my new favourite colour, which is Rune Lord Brass. I painted that on the shoulder pads to make them look a bit more, um, to break the colour up. I didn't want the entire model just to be silver. Um, so I got that, uh, washed it all with Agrax, and then dry brushed it with Necron Compound to give it sort of like a weathered beaten metal sort of look um and then i picked out the orbs on the guns um with ceramite white and then my new my second new favorite paint hexray flame i just applied that over wash just one coat and i'm absolutely amazed by it um but i haven't decided on the bases for my necrons yet um I mean, like I said, we've got a, a day up at Warhammer World, so I I might go with the Necrons if I'm being smart and want to save a bit of money. But then Wargamers uh, aren't... <laughs> I, think, I think your heart's elsewhere. And yeah. You can't fool us. We, we were chatting before the podcast, and um, I've written a 1,000-point orc list. And... Um, yeah, even writing it, I was just like, uh, and I've only got the, um, I suppose, current slash old orc codex. I haven't got the new one with be snaggers and stuff in. And um, yeah, just flicking through rules and stuff. And I'm like, um, 
the shock junk dragster and I'm like oh, 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 oh. it's got las cannons and stuff effectively las cannons on it and stuff like that I was like and the flux capacitor yeah and it just <laughs> the best part. <laughs> so um yeah so I've been painting a lot of dev stuff finishing off some projects and then brainstorming what I want to do over the next few weeks basically so I think we need to encourage Andy by the end of this podcast to have um clicked by on some orcs before the end I of the year I want to buy some so, orcs I wanted yeah. to buy sports because I want to toast them with my new Black Templar flamers. <laughs> but yeah, that's me. That's me. Very good. Very, very good. You've been quite busy. Uh, Matt, what have you been up to? I've managed to get some hobby done as well. Um, so I finished the Dwemer constructs for Elder Scrolls Scroll to Arms. I painted up some scenery for Elder Scrolls Scroll to Arms. And then just as we went for the podcast to start, sort of painting up one of the adventurers that uh, me, me and my brother started playing through a campaign uh, after the podcast last last week and it is such a good game you mentioned kind of uh, having kind of rpg elements and stuff in, in the in the board game you're on about uh, jay imagine that in a in a in a miniatures game so you've got a very low model count but you've got different weapon options and and experience and perks and if you basically think an elder scrolls game to convert it into a tabletop game it is so cool. So we did our first little, little adventure where um, I was playing as a mage kind of character and Andy was playing as a tank and we managed to complete this first delve and get some decent loot. So we're all geared up now ready for our second more difficult delve that I think we're going to start playing tomorrow. So yeah, really, really good. I highly recommend it if you are into that kind of thing. I think they do a couple of boxes of plastic miniatures like a delve set where you get the dragonborn and and some some undead. Uh, the rest of the range is resin, but they are super nice. So um, it's expensive being all in resin, but the the way the game works, you don't need to buy everything. But let's face it, you probably will. So uh, so yeah, I've been working on a lot of that. I also did a bit of an unboxing on uh, Dungeons and Lasers the other day. Uh, Arkham Studio sent us a couple of sets that have just gone to retail. They've done some uh, Kickstarters in the past. And uh, yeah, they've just brought out this range. And basically, what it lets you do is create 3D dungeons for your, your role-playing games. You know, A lot of people use online uh, apps now to do that or have maps drawn up. These are essentially modular tiles that you can build a 3D dungeon. And you know what? I was looking at the, the sets, and I think they'd work just as well for games like Necromunda, where you can have a bit of a hive complex built out of it. Yeah, they do look perfect for that. So, so yeah, so I, I, I built uh, part of that range is, is, is the Xeno Dragon, which is definitely not a copyright infringing alien queen. Uh, it's such a good model. <laughs> yeah, it's so, massive as well. It's a huge, huge model. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to painting that up, and uh, I think we might use it for um, extra scenery for our Necromunda campaign. But, yeah, that's what I've been working on. So, uh, yeah, the plan is, I think, get some Stormcast built and painted for when the new book comes out. But uh, as we'll see in the news, that may not be super soon. I um, I really want to try this Elder Scrolls review. It sounds like a really, really fun game. Um, yeah, I think you enjoy And I sort it. of... I sort of I think, you know, our Games Workshop missing a trick here. I, you know, they don't really have any solo... Curse City, I suppose you could solo. More of a board um, game, though, isn't it? Than a, than it is, a... yeah. And I think, you know, if you look like the Lord of the Rings miniature range, that just calls out to me for a sort of solo ball cooperative skirmish miniature game in the same sort of line as 
is what you've oh, got with you Elder Scrolls. You could easily do something with Elder Scrolls with the with the uh, Middle Earth miniatures range and yeah. have that kind of thing where you've got. And I guess that's the difference. You've got, you've not got many models, but the rules were a lot more complex. Where yeah. if you had armies, you'd be there for weeks trying to play because there's so many moving parts. Um, but yeah. where you've only got like ten figures on the battlefield, you can go to that complexity. So yeah, I think you might be right there, Jay. Excellent stuff. Well, as Matt alluded to, we have got some interesting information in this week's news. So we're going to take a pause and we're going to come back with that. So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? Well, Dave, you know you were really, really looking forward to the uh, the new Oracle <laughs> Warcraft battle tome. And I was really looking forward to the Stormcast battle tome so we could get a first proper game of Ages of Sigma with the new battle tomes. It was going to be dead good, but it's not up for pre-order this week, unfortunately. Um, I don't know why. Um, games Watcher did say that they are now going to be pre-order in September, which is Games Workshop very careful wording as usual, which implies to me end of September, out October maybe. Mm. which is a shame now obviously we don't know why but i know numerous companies have been affected by brexit related transport issues haven't they so yeah it could well have impacted stuff uh so due to that it's quite a light pre-order week um it's just warhammer underworld's arena mortis diachasm edition and interestingly you can't even buy that in gw stores it is exclusive to online oh Oh. that's interesting which, again, maybe suggests some kind of transport issue or something. I don't know. We don't know the ins and outs of it. But um, Arena Mortis is really fun. We've not actually had a game of the last edition because it kind of arrived uh, early lockdown, I think, the last mm. edition of it. Um, but, but basically what it is, you take a single Underworld character, tool them up with your gear, and basically based on how strong that character is, determines what kind of upgrades and stuff you can take. And then it's a bit of a, I guess... Warhammer Underworld's Deathmatch, where you take that single guy and try and take on other people with it. Uh, there's an event card deck in this one where, you know, there can be like cave collapses or volcano eruptions and all sorts of cool stuff. So that looks pretty fun. We do like a bit of um, multiplayer Warhammer Underworlds, don't we? Do. So, yeah. But in, it on... the, tr- the, the, the troll chug off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, interesting. It's only available online. Um I guess it's a bit of a niche one anyway. Forge World have got a couple of new Horus Heresy models oh, coming up for pre-order. Oh, that's funny, that, isn't it? Horus Heresy on the way. Uh, Imperial Fists, Praetors, they look really nice. You you are a bit of a fan of the Imperial Fists, aren't you, Jay? Yeah, I, I will be picking up these two. Are they up for pre-order this weekend, are they? They are up for pre-order on Friday, I believe. Oh, I think I may be picking some Imperial Fist Praetors up when we go to Warhammer World in two weeks' time. Yeah, oh, I really like the Terminator one. He looks so good, doesn't he? He does look good, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that. Um, the, the 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 corrupted demon Praetor. Uh, I think yes, the name uh, character, the Gold Volbrek one. Argotal, yeah. That's. Uh, I think I may have to start. I may have to start. I know I've started a word bearer um, 40k force, but I might have to do a match in 30k force as well. First heretic. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they've also got some grav guns that are available for Space Marine Legion units. Uh, these are really cool. And again, they are universal with the plastic Space Marine kits, which is good because some of the older Forgewood upgrade parts weren't really. Um, these ones are just basically you replace the, 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 the bolter hand. So makes life a lot easier than the ones that replace the whole arm because you had some of them recently, I think, Jay, and you had to be a bit creative with some of the parts to get them fitting, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. 
So, uh, so yeah, so they're, they're up for pre-order on Friday as well. Uh, don't normally cover the books on the show, but there's one that I wanted to call out. They've got Black Library, The Art of Warhammer Age of Sigma and Warhammer Fantasy Battles, which is a big, chunky, like, coffee table book filled with artwork of all systems of Warhammer. So from old Warhammer Fantasy through to Age of Sigma. That looks like a really nice book. I'd like to have a flick through that and uh, see what's in it. Again, that's another contender for the uh, trip to Warhammer World, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really just from the cover, it looks like there's going to be some really nice artwork in there. Yeah, so um, so yeah, so a light pre-order week. Um, we, we, our wallets need a breather anyway, and there's plenty to paint. So uh, I'm sure we can weather a couple of weeks if uh, we do have a, a week or two of quiet releases, which I suspect that we might do. Now, if you cast your mind back to last week's show, Andy broke some exclusive news about events returning to Warhammer World, and. What do you know? Events are returning to Warhammer World. So mm-hmm. shortly after Andy shared that news, uh, Warcom shared the, the actual details of these events. So there's four events. They go on sale on the 30th of August, which is um, end of this week. Mm-hmm. Start next week. Start next week, next Monday. They go on sale. On the 18th of September, there's a one-day Kill Team event that costs £35. On the 25th and 26th of September, there's a 40k match play event. That is £65. The 9th and 10th of October, Horus Heresy match play event, 3,000 points, £65. And then finally, the 16th and 17th of October, there's an Age of Sigmar match play event, again, £65. What's interesting with these, they haven't like labelled them, you know, Grand Tournament or Throne of Skulls. I think it's just general. I, I guess these are the first ones after a long time, aren't they? So it's just a case of, we'll use the match play pack, Come and play some games of Warhammer. Yeah, come and roll some dice. Yeah, uh, yeah. but in, well, it's interesting. They, they have got um, kind of votes and points for, for best army, best painted. So it looks like a bit of a merge of the two kind of old systems that they used to have. So I'm I'm certainly up for some of these. How about you, chaps? Yeah, I think I'm going to be picking up the, um, well, the only weekend I'm actually free is the Age of Sigma one, funnily enough. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be on that website bright and early. Well, I think the tickets go live at is it seven o'clock in the evening? Do they? Have they got the uh, yeah, I think it's seven o'clock in the evening um, on Monday. If it is, my finger will be hovering over that add to cart button for the Age of Sigmar event because I'm dying to get my giants out. And obviously, like we've got the um, Purple Sparkly Unicorn event coming up at the end of September, which unfortunately I can't go to. So this would be a nice way of um, getting an Age of Sigmar event before the end of the year for me. Oh, I might have to, I might have to join you, Andy. Yeah, but who knows? You might um, bring your corn dragon again, and we might get a a, a rematch. I know that'd be cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've just checked. It is indeed seven p.m., which is much better. They used to be like eight a.m. when they went on sale, which is a bit inconvenient for people at work and stuff. So I think they made it a bit more accessible. So that's really fun. Um, we also saw a bit of a hint of some future. Horus Heresy releases in the form of a pair of Ultramarine Praetors. I think it's no surprise that over the next month or two, we're probably going to see all the Praetors for every Legion, aren't we? Well, I mean, yeah. These Ultramarines, I I remember on the podcast a while back, we did a a thing where models that make you want to start an army, and these Ultramarines (laughs) Praetors, I think they are that good that if I didn't already have my Horus Heresy army is locked in, I would be starting a Ultramarines Horus Heresy army. I think they're fantastic. Yeah, really, I really, really impressed. Well. I, I really like the, the helmetless heads on these as well. 
they look really good. I'm so happy Games Workshop still know how to sculpt uh, incredible looking firstborn Space Marines. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they they look so good. They make me want to start a word bearers army like Mark. (laughs) (laughs) This is just the um, the before picture. It's up to us to do the after picture. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe I'll use them as basing material. But yeah, they're really, know, really they're nice. Too nice for that. They're too nice. They're, they're, I think they're lovely models. I'm really, really excited about Horus Heresy. Uh, at the beginning of the year, um, uh, Christmas time last year, I was really in the Horus Heresy mood. We never really got a chance to play anything. I did a lot of painting of the Blood Angels. Matt, you did a lot of painting of your Sons of Horus. I think um, we, we pretty much up to lockdown, we nailed some Horus Heresy armies. Unfortunately, then the kind of momentum went a bit when it was evident we wouldn't be able to play games for a long time. Yeah. But I'm, um, I'm, I don't know about you guys. I'm starting to get that sense of excitement and hype about the Horus Heresy again, and I'm, I'm really, really keen for a game. Well, I've got like three Predators and a unit of Marines to paint, and I've got three thousand Printer Sons of Horus, and I've also got the new Malagurst model as well that I'll replace my old one oh, with. Shit, so, you've got you got Malagurst. So yeah, yeah I have a, a full, a full um, Sons of Horus force. I've got a full Emperor's Children force. So yeah, I think we need to uh, to get some 30k battles on the go. Um, What's this box set? This this rumored alleged box set that hasn't been confirmed yet, but I'm sure any time now they've got yeah. to and share the details because it's super exciting. Um, a little while ago we shared the news that Games Workshop were producing some uh, Nurgling plushies. Well, Warcom um, confirmed that, and they also shared a little bit of news that we didn't have. There's cuddly Griffhounds coming too. <laughs> and one of each. Yeah, they're they're really fun. I hope they do more stuff like this. I think they're starting to branch out into more kind of like merchandise stuff, aren't they? I'm pretty I'm pretty sure my nine month old uh, saw a picture and just pointed at the Nurgling and said he wanted one. So Definitely. I'm just gonna have to make that happen, really. I think you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. Um, Jay, we know that Black Templars are on the way uh, today. I believe we saw a picture of a Primaris Initiate, which is a uh, a new. Uh, kind of unit for the Black Templars with a really big flamer. Do you want to tell us what you think on this guy? A pyroblaster? Pyroblaster? Pyroblaster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm really looking forward to the Black Templars release. Came out of nowhere. Was not expecting a Black Templars supplement. uh, And now it is the only 40k army I want to build and paint. Um, (laughs) This guy looks great, doesn't he, with the new um, flamethrower, 15-inch range on it as well. So, you know, that's... Yeah, it's quite impressive. Um, I, I'm looking forward to Black Templars have always been a bit of a weird Space Marine faction in that they have mixed units of neophytes and initiates or they used to um, they had some unique sort of war gear in terms of um, the Land Raider Crusader which are, was eventually dished out to all of the Space Marine chapters but for a time I think the Land Raider Crusader was just unique to the Black Templars um, so yeah they're not really Codex compliant are they um, no, and I'm looking forward orthodox. to orthodox yeah that's it uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what other um, units they're going to get and potential characters. So I know currently they've got Helbrecht and Grimaldus, which are all firstborn. Will they cross the um, Rubicon and get primaricized? Will we get a new Black Templars character? We've got the Empress Champion coming. Um, is the launch box out in September or October? So, well, obviously that might be impacted by these delay course, issues. Yeah. But they, I'm sure they said that the... The, the range is out in November with the launch box in September. Again, all that's subject to change, though, isn't it? Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to Black Templars. I'll be building a 1,000 point army, um, which I, I, like we talked about this a few weeks ago, I just find that a good size chunk to build and paint in. And Marines, you don't really need that many in a thousand points. It's not like you're painting nids with loads of gaunts or anything like that. So your launch box is probably going to be a big chunk of that, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So um, if you compare it to like the Luminef or the um, Sisters of Battle or the Beast Snagger launch box, then yeah. Um, so I am excited for that. And um, the, the, there is a, a 40k event in um, Warham World in October, which I unfortunately no September isn't it, which is um, it clashes with the Purple Spark Unicorns one. Um, but maybe we normally go to Warham World over Christmas, don't we? So I'm wondering whether perhaps we can go and have a few games of 40k there. And I'm sure. I'm sure those events won't be the only event that they do at Warham World this year either. No. So yeah. Um, if you prefer your battles in Middle Earth. Then uh, there was a big old host of reveals this this week from Articom, where there was a big Middle Earth tournament. And traditionally at these events, they do a big reveal seminar thing. And uh, yeah, with with this year being the is it the twentieth anniversary of Fellowship of the Ring? That's terrifying, isn't it? Yeah, um, they've got a load of, of Lord of the Rings stuff coming out. So first of all, a resin. Amon Hen from Forge World. Now they already do the the, the fantastic um, Weathertop. Weathertop, yeah. Which is they they use the original um, designs that Weta Workshop did uh, to the point where Weta then used the Games Workshop model for for further stuff um, at another point. So it's yeah craziness the level of detail. All the <laughs> all the sculptures and stuff had pretty much hands on access to everything at wet workshop when they were doing the the, the um, middle earth film so yeah it's going to be a goodie i don't think it's going to be super cheap based on the weather top which is about 270 quid i think off the top of my head but that's a much bigger model though so this might be yeah it's still gonna be a hefty chunk of resin isn't it but it looks really nice it does look and this is surprising i, I mean we were sort of thinking dwarfs erebor coming and then this has just come completely out of well, Nowhere, this, hasn't it? And I wonder if this is another shift in scheduling, maybe. We haven't seen everything in the background. Um, alongside this, we have got the Witch King of Angmar, a new plastic kit coming out. Like with all the other plastic uh, character kits they've done, you can do quite a lot with this. So you can have him as a, as a, as a hooded rider or in his full uh, Witch King regalia with his, his kind of helmet and his, his kind of like uh, armoured greaves and stuff. And you also get a version on foot again, which can be built as just the, the hooded version or as he is at the end of uh, Return of the King with his mace. It looks so good. I mean, I recently picked up the metal one on a made-to-order because I was like, oh, I need to pick up the Witch King. And now that may have to sit in the blister and I'll get this nice plastic one. But uh, yeah, really cool model. So that's coming along kind of adjacent, I guess, to Fall of the Necromancer, which is obviously a, a Hobbit era supplement. And, and like Jay says, this is this has come from nowhere. And this essentially tells the tale of, you know, the bit in the, the, the Hobbit films where the uh, the Council of Elrond goes to take on um, Dolgador because they've got suspicions that uh, Sauron may have returned. And uh, yeah, this is a narrative expansion with kind of linked missions around that uh, event, which is really cool. Um, I kind of wish that we'd had plastic updates for the council. I was going to say the same thing. In that scene, Elrond looks brilliant with his swords and his armour. Um, obviously, you've got um, Saruman even there fighting as well. Um, and yeah, it would be cool to see some new sculpts for those guys. 
So they did do they did do a set when that film came out, and I think you can probably still get it. I don't think it was cheap though. Ah, okay. um, obviously, we got new plastic Sauron, and there's loads of Gandalf models, isn't there? But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see a new Elrond. I think that would have been a good opportunity to do one. But uh, it's not the end of the world. Uh, there's 13 narrative scenarios in there. So I I, I, I mean, I, I don't need much arm twisting to pick up a load of uh, Ringwraith. I've probably got nine of the old ones. I could pick up the nine uh, Forge World ones that they did recently. Um, and alongside this, they've got modular plastic uh, uh, Dolgodor scenery as well. So, again, if you've seen the film, that kind of architecture where they're in the kind of like, it's like a ruined uh, castle, isn't it, basically? Yeah. With all staircases and, and walls and stuff. Modular plastic kit to uh, to do that. So that's really cool. A lot of uh, plastic support coming to uh, Middle Earth, which is good to see. Uh, and then finally, they announced that after Fall of the Necromancer, there will be an expansion, Defence of the North, which is about the, the dwarves under King Dane Ironfoot and the men of Dale under King Brand uh, against the Heredrim, I believe. Oh, excellent. Is there any time timings on that? Nope. It is, all we know is it's after Fall of the Necromancer. So that, that'll be when I can start my dwarf army then. Yeah, and again, I'm hoping. I mean, I'd, I quite fancy doing a Dale Force, you know, Jay, if there's ever any doubles on the horizon. Yeah. Well, Wolves and men marching together again. Let's do it. Well, I've got uh, the start of an Easterling army. This this is so, all coming uh, together, Andy. Yeah, I I think it's uh, I think it's meant to be. And uh, one of the things that I was um, planning on picking up when we go Warhammer World was the Eastland Commander set. So yeah, this kind of seals the deal for me. Oh, well, you know what? I need I might need to pick up some uh, Men of Dale and, and King Brand then and start working on that. You've got a couple of the new characters, haven't you, Jay? So I've got I've got the new characters, yeah. The question is whether we get some plastic kit. Now, we haven't seen any new plastic infantry kits for Middle Earth, but I suppose it's, you know, 600, 700 point armies. You don't need a mass of miniatures, do you? I'm going to be coming, around, coming away with a load of resin Iron Hills dwarfs at this rate. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's super fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some more of that because, again, presumably it's, it'll follow the same format. It'll be a bit of a narrative supplement that we could potentially play through. Yeah. So, yeah, play through yeah. at Warhammer World. That'd be great. Two days yeah. at Warhammer World and over their boards. Yeah, we should do that. We should do that. We also have a little bit of news from, from Mr. Duncan Rhodes. So I think we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that, that Duncan's bringing out his own paint range and uh, he he announced it today. So it's called Two Thin Coats. I mean, what else could it be, really? Um, and yeah, it is a range of 60 paints. Um Ooh. We don't know too many details yet, but uh, it looks like there's a wide uh, range of paints they've got. They've got some washes, they've got some metallics, um, and kind of triads of colours for your for your kind of uh, your, your shade, your kind of mid tone, and your highlights. Really looking forward to seeing what what he does with these. Um, yeah, I think obviously there's a lot of competition for uh, for paints, isn't there at the moment? There is, yeah. Um, but I imagine that Duncan would probably, you know, I imagine the quality, it'd have to be pretty good if, if Duncan's going to put his name on them, basically. Yeah. And it, he's obviously got a, a great platform to then show them off and get people using them with his channel and stuff. Yeah. Now, that I guess that could be a bit controversial if on his painting tutorials it's using his paints rather than other brands. But 
I mean, at the end of the day, if the colours are good, that's not going to be an issue, is it? No, no. Like I say, I don't think he'll use them exclusively like on his channel. He'll use like um, Games Workshop and etc. Um, but you know, as people kind of get hold of the paint range, we'll see how it takes off, and that could be how it ends up going on his channel. Maybe he does eventually look at doing his own paint range exclusively as the paints he uses. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't mind trying these out. I think it could be quite good. Yeah, so more on that as we get it. Uh, and finally, at the very end of the news, um, Warhammer Community added a little sweetener to uh, people thinking about subscribing to Warhammer Plus. Um, if you subscribe in August, which gives you about a week, I guess, by the time this podcast goes out, you get a £10 gift voucher. So considering it's £50 for a year, that makes it £40. And you get in the free miniature, which is probably worth about 25 quid. That's what, net 15 quid for Warhammer Plus? Absolute billy bargain, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I was on a sub anyway, but this just, like you say, sweetens the deal. So it goes live tomorrow, I believe. So uh, I think we'll do a bit of a, a post once we've kind of digested some of the content and shared our thoughts. But until then, in the next segment, we're going to chat about a little bit of Warhammer Plus segment uh, content that we have seen. So we were lucky enough to have an early screening, um, thanks to Games Workshop, of Old Bale Eye, uh, the first episode from Hammer and Bolter, which is one of the series that we're going to be seeing on Warhammer Plus. So for this next segment, we're going to be talking about said animation and also about the launch of Warhammer plus and what we um what we're looking forward to uh now obviously by the time this podcast goes out the service will be live so we'll be taking a bit of a deeper dive on the next uh episode but for now guys i think i think it's safe to say we all watched old bailey didn't we we did oh yes so, well, <laughs> we did you youths <laughs> you guys listening have probably been able to see it as well i think on the saturday it was available for 24 hours to watch wasn't it but um yeah we managed to watch it on the thursday and um yeah, do you, you guys want to start? What was what was your kind of like thoughts going into it, and then as watching it? I was really excited. Um, I actually thought it was going to be because it was about Yarrick. My first impressions from seeing the movie poster and stuff, I thought it was going to be quite a serious animation. Um, very quickly found out it wasn't going to be a super serious animation within a few seconds of the thing starting uh, and you've got the two orcs trying to find a grot to eat um but i i loved how they kind of had the story of yarrick and gasgall's kind of titanic battles by having this runtered uh, and these two random orcs like narrating it almost um yeah. i thought that they was really fun of the two joe in pirates of the caribbean you've got the two daft pirates <laughs> They were yes. like that, yeah. The one with the wooden yeah. eye and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I guess that that will probably rub some people the wrong way because tonally it was, I mean, it was it was it was very comedy and a bit slapstick, but also fifteen certificate and very gruesome as well. Yeah, they, yes. de- they definitely had that that humour, like you said. But then there was almost like cut scenes where the the runt hoods sort of like narrative turns into like you know you're you're there with Yarrick sort of thing and that those parts were like the intense they were the action scenes and I felt that the nice balance between the two was was done really well 
Yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's quite a lot of Easter eggs in there as well. There's a bit where they've got Gazgore's original back banner in the background, and uh, there's a nice there's a nice diagram showing the 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 orcs um, plan, which is basically just big arrows saying orcs, orcs, more orcs, even more orcs, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I, I I really liked that, um, and I really liked the the animation for me reminded me very much of aside from the fact there were quite a few limbs and blood and stuff. But the actual general animation style reminded me of like a Saturday morning early cartoons in that it was quite American. Um, it was a little bit jaggedy, um, had a really awesome soundtrack. But yeah, it did really take me back to my youth. So the, the animation is where I've got to knock it a little bit if, they, if they're going for mass audios. And we, uh, we talked on, we did a bit of a write up on it and talked, is that a stylistic choice to make it look like one of those 80s kind of cartoons? But it, there was some very, very nice detailed backgrounds and then some really cheap animation on some of the some of the scenes. Now, if that's a stylistic thing for this particular episode, fine, I, 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 I'm down with that. But if all of the shows are that choppy and, you know, it's I, I personally, I, I felt that take, took away from it a little bit, that it was a bit janky in the animation front. Mm. Yeah, because it's hard to say from what we've seen so far because obviously we've seen a lot of trailers we've seen a lot of montages haven't we we've seen a lot of montages of uh these different animations i think the most we'd seen before all bailey was probably angels of death i think yeah um, she's kind of cg animated which is a bit different mm, isn't it yeah uh, very very different step uh different step in animation i mean i don't know if you guys have seen astartes who that was like yeah. a fan fiction that film that someone had made but i, I believe that's been incorporated into warhammer plus now it is, and the animation yeah. on that is top quality that you yeah. know that's some of the best um warhammer animations i've seen so i think i think there will be a ver- various animated styles yeah, yeah and, and you know that's the where, where i say the animation generally there were some obviously cheaper scenes where you've got static background or even just static pictures in the, in the pa- camera panning across again that could be a stylistic thing but you know that's a good thing with hammer and bolter that we know so far it's a bit of an anthology of different animation styles so i think we've seen a couple of more kind of anime styled ones maybe and yeah i'll be interested to see what the other couple of episodes that are available for hammer and bolter at launch look like yeah Hammer and Bolter definitely feels like um, a, 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 te- a tester for all these different styles to see what the feedback is on them. And then they might obviously invest into, you know, for example, if the, the more anime style ones, I think there's a Eldar one, isn't there, which feels very anime um, styled. If that does very, very well, then obviously they'll invest in a full series in that kind of art style. I suppose yeah. the problem is like proper detailed animation is very, very expensive hand-drawn mm-hmm. animation mm-hmm. um whereas computer animation is a lot cheaper to do and 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 some of the corners that they cut having cg rendered backgrounds with with, with animated slides over the top it is is cheaper to do um now obviously where you've got netflix and the like you've got a much higher subscriber base than presumably warhammer plus will have so yeah i'd be interested to see how that how that plays out one thing that i really did love from the old bailey episode that we watched was um, just seeing things from the orc perspective. I mean, obviously, like being on the tabletop, you know, ultimately they are just, you know, models, <gasps> you know, God forbid. But for me, seeing the orc perspective, I can now look at orcs on the tabletop and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is kind of what 
Games Workshop envision orcs to be? Because, you know, even the two orcs that are looking for the grot and then get told all the stories and stuff, while they are orcs, they still talk, they're still human, but they've still got that orc tone to them. And then there's a bit in the episode where there was, um, I think it was like an orc war boss that Gazgul sends to kill uh, Yarrick. And, you know, we, we get to see Yarrick, you know, he loses his arm, spoiler, he loses his arm, gets a power claw. And then even the orcs describe him as being this individual that even if they, if he looks at you, you can die. And, he, you know, it shows him the with his bionic eye, which, you know, we can we know in the rules and stuff. But for me, one thing that I'm really looking forward to with Warhammer Plus and this episode, you know, just showed it off perfectly, was seeing 40K from a different perspective other than, you know, Imperium. Because, you know, we're all human. We all kind of know what Space Marines are and what, you know, Guardsmen are and stuff like that. But seeing it from an Orc perspective was really cool. And we know we're, we're getting, um, I think there's a Tau Stealth Suit one, which I think is going to be one of the first ones out uh exodites exodites yes yeah yeah things like that it's going to be super interesting to see and like for me one of yeah i'm a huge chaos fanboy so for me one of the things i really want to see is chaos space marines in the 41st millennium and see how you know that being affected by chaos and stuff has changed them to regular space marines but yeah looking at the um the old baolai episode I, I mean, we've been chatting about uh, an orc army that I want to do for this uh, trip to Warhammer World, and this this episode set it off for me. I just finished watching it, and I was just like, you know what, I'd, I'd love to do orcs just for this. I tell you what, that that's what I fear. You know, the amount of armies that I want to want to <laughs> want to collect when all these different series come out. Um, I mean, I came away from the episode wanting to pay Yarrick um, and get my guard army on the go. I'm not gonna lie. The first thing I did after watching it was went on the GW web store and looked at Yarrick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He needs a new model after the, after that episode. <laughs> so, yeah, um, we mentioned soundtrack briefly. I love the soundtrack. It was amazing. It was incredibly 80s. It was like guitars and synth. I'm all over that as well. Just reminded me of Mad Max. Yeah. It, it really did set the scene of 40k for me because like I, i'm a big metal head i love my rock and metal music and i just imagined like 40k i can imagine like the astro military driving a tank just listening to some heavy metal or something like yeah. that it's like and you're saying with orcs and so watching it it really did set set the tone of the of the show and 40k so yeah it was yeah great. i thought i thought the, the 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 voice acting was good i thought the effects were good like the, the thud of the mass reactive rounds thudding into orcs yeah yeah it was it, that that was that was top notch i i enjoyed that i i just thought the whole thing was very true to warhammer 40,000 and games workshop and i think if if they'd made this um 20 minute animation 30 years ago it would have been exactly the same it, it really it, it was sort of very like say dark humor c- crossed with the sort of the violence uh yeah. the orcs enjoying what they're doing the fighting uh having the admiration for yarrick and it, it, it basically threw me right back to when i was sitting reading early copies of white dwarf and uh, early orc and imperial guard codexes and i don't think there's many universes out there 
that have that sort of I don't know that feel to it. It's very unique. The old it Warhammer is. forty thousand setting, and, and it really I feel this is that. why they've done it themselves, and they've never given it to a third party to do. Mm. Because say if, say if Netflix produced it, the first thing that would go is that fifteen certificate. You can't have the their their logic would be well, you can't have the silly kind of school kid humor at times, but then also have people's limbs getting ripped off. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it would have completely lost the feeling. Um. So absolutely spot on. I'm I'm so glad that they've they've kept it all in house and they've they've kept control over their IP. So um so yeah obviously it launches tomorrow. So once once we've seen a few more episodes of stuff, we'll we'll be able to talk about it. So a quick discussion on on the launch content they've shared, what is going live at launch, and there's eight videos available to watch at launch. Episodes one to three of Hammer and Bolter, episode one of Angels of Death, two episodes of Battle Report. And two episodes of Citadel Masterclass. So it's a little bit light on the video content. However, you get access to the 40k app that day. Uh, premium access. So if, you, if you're a paying subscriber, you get the same functions on there. You also get access to the Warhammer Vault. I don't think they've shared what's in the Vault at launch, but they talked about a lot of the old, the old supplement books, a lot of old White Dwarfs. That interests me as well. Um, then they've said from every Wednesday there will be new content. So every single Wednesday from the 1st of September, Lawmaster will be added. And that looks really, really good. And then later in September, uh, the Age of Sigmar app will launch. Now, I do wonder if that's a factor in why the um, Sigmar battle tomes are, are delayed. Is the app maybe not 100% ready yet? And obviously, because of the integration with the codes in the back of the books now, it, it, it kind of hinges on the app being available at launch. Yeah, it's a shame the app's not been available earlier. When when we played on Sunday, Matt, um, I had to use the War Scroll card for the Gut Rippers because because obviously the new app's on the horizon. When 3.0 launched, they they just abandoned the age the current Age of Sigmar app, so they never updated. So I think Kragnos was the last thing that was added. Um, so yeah, I would have liked to have seen the Age of Sigmar app already. Yeah. Uh, do we what know do we... with the um the 40k in the age of sigma app obviously you can pay for the um like the army building side of it do we know if that's included and I would yeah so if, if, if you subscribe to warhammer plus you get the full paid features of both those apps so the fact that i mean what was it 2.99 a month for the 40k app and it's 4.99 a month for warhammer plus and you get the 40k app included in that and the age of sigma app included in that i think i think it's a good buy i think I don't know if eight videos at launch is a little bit on the light side for the video content. Uh, what's going in its favour is there's a lot of other bits on there. And obviously, we'll see, you know, properly tomorrow what's in the vault, you know, uh, what those episodes of Masterclass cover. I'm hoping for the battle reports we get a 40k one and a Sigma one, for example. Right. I'm sure that they've thought about these things and having a bit of a mix. I hope one of the Hammer and Bolter episodes is a Sigmar themed one as well, because otherwise it's quite 40k heavy at launch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but we'll, we'll have to see. I'm looking forward to subscribing. Like you say, Matt, I mean, the fact that a lot of us already have the 40k app, it just seems like a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, we'll, we'll, we'll be subscribing. Um, full disclosure, GW have sent us some, some, some free codes for a month's access, but, um, 
regardless of that, I mean, I was going to subscribe anyway for the, for the miniatures and the, the vault access uh, predominantly. So, yeah, I think uh, we'll, we'll be putting our money down. So I think we can uh, give our kind of valid thoughts. Do you know, the, 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 the one that I'm really looking forward to, and I hope they, they do it like to a real, real high standard, which I think they will do. And that's the battle reports. I've watched a lot of battle reports uh, on my phone. You know, I'm a big fan of quite a few YouTube producers. Um, so the fact that they're doing one in-house now, I'm I'm really excited by that and what they can do with that and the, the different kind of models we can see, you know, units that we might not see very often from Forge World and stuff. I'm really excited for what they do with Battle Report. Oh, I think the, the first one they've teased at, it's got Nick Beaton's Ultrines versus someone's Necrons. And it it looks like it's their armies, you know. It doesn't look like it's heavy metal armies. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, you know, looking at Nick Baton's Ultramarines, it might as well be heavy metal armies. Yeah. But um, yeah, and even looking at the scenery, you know, I mean, obviously Games Workshop, you know, this is their game. They are, for lack of a better word, the masters of it. And looking at the the gaming table, it looks absolutely drop dead gorgeous. And when you you know, if you've been lucky enough to go to Warhammer World and see some of their scenic boards that they play on, seeing armies playing on those sort of style boards. So granted, like smaller scale obviously, but seeing those sort of armies, I imagine it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> they had a Warhammer community article this week and essentially they are building bespoke boards for the battle reports. Even the the greatest YouTube channels haven't got the luxury of being able to just, yeah, let's have 700 quid's worth of plastic frames to build a bespoke table just for this battle report. Yeah, that's absolutely mental. Um, Do you reckon they'll uh, they'll clear off the Ultramarines and um, Corn diorama and have a game on that. How amazing would that be? <laughs> Where did I put my assassin? I can't remember. We can't move him. <laughs> yeah. So, can so only yeah, use so... him if you can find him. <laughs> so yeah, I think um next week we'll have had a chance to kind of digest the the content and yeah, I'm 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 optimistic, especially after watching Old Bayolite. I think the tone was right. Obviously, I had a few reservations on the animation, but I think we need to see more of the different style shows to see what the the big picture is on it. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it, and also looking forward to how the whole thing copes with like people logging onto it and stuff. I think that's going to be really key as well. So. Um... Yeah, look forward to seeing what, what, what happens. But that, that should be live by the time this podcast goes out. So you may already, in fact, be subscribed. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. Speaking of Warhammer Plus, they could do an awful lot with those animations. And we've got a few ideas of ourselves. So uh, we're going to come back with this week's top three. It is time for this week's top three, and we're going to be coming up with ideas for animation shows we'd love to see on Warhammer Plus. So there's loads we could pick out from here. So it was difficult picking three, but we have all managed to do so. So, Jay, would you like to start us off with your third choice? Uh, Yeah. So there was an old sort of... um, in the old old 40k codexes, you used to get like really cool little side paragraphs of fluff or story. Um, you know, Black Library wasn't as as expansive as it, as it is back then. Um, so this is where you used to get all your cool little stories and things. 
And there was an old, I think it was third edition, although the story may predate third edition 40k, um, Codex Assassins. And there was a, a cool little story of a um, an Imperial Guard commander in on a on a planet somewhere and um i guess i guess um as you find out as the story progresses that he's probably uh, done something to up upset the uh the, the throne world in some way and it, the story starts off that he's in this in this forest world or in this bunker with with a tech, tech adept across a monitoring station and they detect something falling from the atmosphere just a meteorite the tech adept um states out to the commander so the commander goes out for his for his uh, evening stroll i believe and it wasn't a meteorite. It was an Eversor assassin um, sent from from Terra to basically murder every single inhabitant of this military installation on this planet. Um, and it's terrifying. Reading the story, you've got this like crazy assassin that just cuts through them all. Uh, I'd imagine it'd be something like Predator, um, oh, yeah. the first Predator film. Uh, that would be so cool. A 20-minute hammer and bolt episode of that, and it's like ever so assassin landing on the planet and just proceeding to sneak into this installation and murder everyone inside. So that's oh, my that, first one. That's I think an epic start. <laughs> yeah, I'll dig out. I'll, I'll dig out the little snippet and send it to you guys because I just remember it being so cool. Yeah, that that's that's an awesome start to this top three, Jay. Definitely want to see that. And um, Andy, what is your third choice? Uh, so my third choice uh, involves Trazen the Infinite and his collection of specimens throughout the 40k universe yeah yeah but yeah sort of yeah um there's a a story in um i think it was one of the uh psychic awakening books or it was the um the books that came out just before eighth edition with like rise of a primark and fall of cadian stuff and there was a bit with tracing the infinite and he helps um belisarius call who's getting attacked by I think it's orcs at the time on some like distant moon and Trazen the infinite just throws out like an orb and out of this orb springs a squad of ultrine space marines from the Horus heresy Mm. now unfortunately you know it doesn't go well because they're a bit bedazzled and they sort of like wake up and they realize orcs are there but they don't know what's going on and all this sort of stuff but I thought a show that would show Trazen's specimens and how he collects them and why he collects them and what he wants to finish off his collection and the travels he goes through the 40k universe in order to get these specimens and add them to his collection and I thought a show showing that would be both very interesting in the sense that you could set it in almost any time period within the 40k you know you could do it in um the horus heresy bit you could do it just after the horus a with uh, the beast arises sort of era and then obviously like where we are now with the um um uh, the rift brip in the, the 40k universe and half sort of thing and just showing his adventures you know going through collecting stuff you know he could collect a hive tyrant or you know, um, an Imperial Guard officer, or even, dare I say it, a Primarch. <laughs> so, it's a bit like it's a bit like the in-universe version of a Warhammer fan. Like, you know, yes. we're talking at the beginning of the show. Do you want to start an Orc army, Andy, to take to Warhammer World next week? Well, I've already. I want to do my Black Templars <laughs> when they come out. 
he's basically just us in in the universe, isn't he? Yeah, and, and, and I think seeing that on the big screen would would be great <laughs> fun. I think the closest we've got to that on the big screen at the moment is the collector from the Marvel films. Yeah, same yeah. guy basically, isn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> Although I think I think Trazen's a bit more hands on than the the collector in the Marvel series. Um, he tends to rely on other people. Um, where Trazen, I think, does does get his hands dirty, doesn't he? Occasionally. Occasionally, yeah. Occasionally. Um, my third choice. Um, this was a really hard kind of top three to do, but my third choice again, I think, would be quite a good one for Hammer and Bolter as maybe it's a one-off episode but i'd love to see a human auxiliary or, or um as they're called kind of in universe for the town the goo guvessa guvessa the um, basically the, yeah. the, the uh, not most the, um, human the human kind of uh yeah. so i'd like to see sort of the, 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 maybe a tale of a guardsman that um is slowly kind of shown the greater good um and shows him maybe getting integrated in um converting over to the ways of the Tau. Um, I think that'd be like a really interesting... It wouldn't be so much like an action episode, but it would show a lot of like the Tau lore and the Tau kind of backstory and how their society works. I think that'd be really interesting to watch. You know, the final the final shot of the episode would be the Tau then sending that guardsman to go and liberate a planet and then being him shot by one of his brother guardsmen. It'd be very Absolutely. dark, wouldn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you get grown attached to this guy and then he just gets nailed. Um, sort of Rick and Morty. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought that'd make quite an interesting, quite an interesting animation. Uh, Matt, what is your third choice? Well, my third choice has got to be The Last Church by Graham McNeil. Now, I believe there has been a fan adaptation of this that I imagine will probably turn up in some form on, on Warhammer Plus as well. If you've not read this, essentially it's a story it's set... Before the Emperor's the Emperor, basically, he's he's doing his his war of unity. He's bringing the planet under his rule. His Thunder Warriors are wiping out all elements of resistance. And at this point in the story, there is a single church left on Terra, and he wants to eliminate all religion because that leads to bad places. And there's 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 Thunder Warriors kind of ready to take this place down, and the the, the priest inside is is resisting. So the emperor himself walks into the church and most of the story is basically them having a chat of how the the priest came about, you know, to be a priest and why he built the church. And over the course of the story, you learn that he was injured in a war and he looked up and saw this golden angelic figure. And from that point, he devoted himself to to the church. And obviously it turns out what you saw was the emperor and the emperor himself shatters his faith. And the guy accepts his um, fate as the church goes up in flames. I think that'd be a really cool episode for Warhammer Plus. Hmm. Again, it's it, it's these kind of like t- different takes on the universe where they don't. It doesn't have to all be kind of big battles and stuff, does it? Um, you know, the, you can kind of tap into these other parts of the law which are quite deep. Uh, yeah, you essentially have this as just two guys sat in a church talking. Yeah. But then over the course of the episode, you realise, OK, he's the emperor. And then they're like, oh, no, that guy set up this church thinking it was God, whatever. And it turns out it was the emperor and the emperor is now disappointed in this guy who's defying him with this church. Mm. Yeah, I thought that'd be a really good idea, Matt. That's a really, really good idea. Um, we're round to our second choices. So, Jay, what is yours? What's your favourite Disney Pixar film? 
Oh. Uh, ta- uh, no, Tangled's not one of them, is it? Um, I don't know, actually. What about this? The Imperial War Machine. It moved in system. Deployed all the resources against the planet. War's been waged. You know, six months, a year, battle. The planet's been obliterated. The civilization's been torn down. It's a mess. A post-apocalyptic state. The Imperial War Machine, ever on the move. Distant threats, new enemies, moves on, but leaves a lone servitor behind on the planet. (laughs) Still enacting its last program, tidying up after the Adeptus (laughs) Mechanicus. (laughs) We follow this little servitor. As it charges up its power packs every morning and moves out of the the little base headquarters where it where it where it's stationed and sets about tidying up the mess. Disney would 100% want words. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't believe how good that actually sounds. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> I would watch that now if I could. <laughs> That's a really good idea, Jay. I- I'd have, to, I'd have to buy a little servitor um, have him clean up after my adeptus. Yeah. <laughs> so, I love that. Absolutely love that. Uh, Andy, your second choice. Uh, so my second choice, um, I've gone for the tales and life stories of Arcanauts on both Caradron Overlord ships. Amazing. These guys go to all corners of all of the mortal realms. They do all sorts of deeds in order to earn their money you know they transport all sorts of people whether they be chaos worshippers stormcast free guild you know whatever as long as you've got the coin they will transport you and the stories that some of these admirals and some of these archonauts could tell about the mortal realms and about the people that live there and stuff like that for me would be so interesting I think there's um, one in the, I want to say it's in the Teclas book. It might have been Marathi, but I think it's Teclas book, where there's um, an Arcanaut um, admiral who looks at a map and realises that all of the other Caradron Overlord ships don't fly over this one Uh, alley. Yeah, the Teclas book, yeah. And she realises that, there must be something here or some reason why all these ships aren't flying over. And it's only because she goes there that they find out that Neferata is trying to conduct this ritual to do, um, to harness death magic or something. And, you know, even that is just like one small snippet from us, from a obviously much larger book. But if we put that into, warhammer plus and we put that into a 20 minute episode and we do like two or three seasons of that you could explore so much of the mortal realms through the eyes of dwarfs and that for me would be awesome so basically what andy wants is a bit of a combination of a, a pirate and a travel show uh by the caradron overlords like a go on holiday with the caradrons Yar matey, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, my uh, second choice, um, believe it or not, Andy, also features um, Trazen, uh, tra- tra- isn't it? Trazen the Infinite. Um, is, is it part of my second choice? I've actually only today, so this quickly jumped into my top three, have been listening to The Infinite and the Divine, 
uh, an audio book for the, the the book of the same name, which um, basically has two of the main sort of Necron named characters um, attempting to work together um, in, in the galaxy. And it's the Necrons as you have never seen them before. It's it's basically a comedy, um, and I've only listened to a small sample of it, but I already love the idea, and I have loved what I've heard so far. And it would be amazing to see an animated version of this book. Um, have you? Have any of you um, seen this book or read it? Uh, I know which one you're on about because it's got the. Um... Oh God, what's his name? Orokin the Diviner, is that what he's called? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's been one of those that has been on my wish list for a while. Um, but all the reviews I've heard about it have been fantastic because it's set over such a large period of time because obviously like 10,000 years to a Necron is nothing, is it? So, uh, um, but yeah, I've heard good things about it. Uh, it's brilliant. It makes me want to paint some Necrons um, in fact, I might have to paint some Necrons the next couple of weeks. It's such a good listen. Um, and even the artwork for the actual book looks like something from a, an animation. Um, so maybe they were thinking a step ahead. Maybe hopefully we'll see something like this. But it's the fact that it, you see the Necrons in a completely different light as well, which is which is really good. You wouldn't expect them to be a race that you could kind of take the mickey out of a little bit. Um, so, yeah, that that's my second choice. Matt, what is your second choice? Well, I think this would be a cool um, Hammer and Bolter episode. The Siege of Vindicarum. So ah. we could have very, very little dialogue in this. Maybe maybe in like black and white, but we have the the demonic siege led by Bellacor against the Celestial Vindicators where they get pretty much wiped out to a man. We see the um, the, the dwarf munition supplies go up as the demons start overwhelming, fighting down to, to guard a steel soul who's trying to help his uh, his, his handful of um, uh, Stormcast's Hallowed Knights that have come with him while the, uh, the Celestial Vindicator forces dwindle until finally... Delacour himself steps out and pretty much just backhands Steel Soul. I uh, I think that would be such a good like visual episode, just showing the absolute despair of a demonic siege with the skies black. I think you could do it very stylistic, um, you know, maybe like red and black or black and white kind of do episode. Know, um, do you know what that, as you were talking then, Matt, I instantly got um, flashes in my mind of that artwork that you like from... Like Kevin Chin, um, yes. Okay, yes, that, okay. Yeah. I, I amended mine. That that drawn by <laughs> Kevin Chin in that uh, kind of um, comic book style that he did, I think that'd be phenomenal. You don't have to have any voice actor or anything. You just have maybe you know the grunt of of the the, the few Stormcast survivors dying um, until the uh, the Caradron fleet maybe just arriving in the in the horizon and and freeing the last few survivors. I think it'd be such a cool episode to do. Aside from the fact the Vindicators get absolutely nailed in that, um, I totally agree. That would be amazing. Uh, a real good spectacle to watch, especially in that art style. Um, we are already round to our top choices. So, Jay, what's the top of your list? Top of my list is a series. So, And they only have to be 10, 15-minute episodes long. I don't think they have to be very, very long. That, that follows the ups and downs, the progress of a start-out, team in Blood Bowl through a league, <laughs> a season. 
Yeah. So you, you'll have the action on the pitch. You'll have the drama in the dressing room. You'll have the rivalries that build up with other teams. Basically, we're talking Renford rejects with halflings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Roy the Rovers or something like that, but yeah. <laughs> and you, you'd have some, you know, you'd have some light-hearted humour in there. You'd have violence in there. You'd have some really, really touching scenes in there where, you know, where they finally managed to lift a trophy or they finally managed to score a touchdown. Yeah, I, I, I think that'd be really cool. I'm surprised they haven't done something like that because it's such an easy concept for a show as well, isn't it? Yeah. The, the, all the, all the um, Spike magazines are, are basically... I mean, I mean, just, the, the series could literally be called Spike. It yeah. writes itself. Yeah. Yeah. They've got the commentary team. Everything's in place. It just needs to be animated. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Top choice. I think I think that's, that's winning so far. Uh, Andy, what is your uh, top choice? Uh, so my top choice is a bit of uh, a nostalgic, um, and that's from for me. It was um, the the best series of books that I've read from Games Workshop, and I mean I haven't read that much stuff from Games Workshop, if I'm being honest. But it is the Warhammer End Times, and I imagine each of the books from End Times is its own separate movie telling the story of the book you know the, the the first one you've got the rise of nagash and he's coming back and he's building up all this power and then he ends by going into the tomb king's kemri i think it was called the land yeah, of, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, go, going into kemri and conquering them and then setting his sights and then the second one features the uh, the glockin laying siege to the empire and then, you know, you've got Cain in the third one with all the elves sort of pitted against each other. And you've got Teclus versus Tyrion. And, you know, and then, then obviously finalising the last one with Archeon and having a big showdown between Archeon and Sigmar. And again, if they do with, um, if they did that the same way they did Old One-Eye with the dramatic music that really got you know a sense of action going and all this sort of stuff and i imagine it'd be an absolutely phenomenal series to do plus i'm a massive warhammer fanboy so yeah it would be an incredible series i think uh they were really really well written books i wish i'd bought more of them i think i only actually physically bought the cane one because i was i was doing elves at the time yeah, you, you can't get attached to any of the characters in there. No, let's put really. it that way. <laughs> it was the end times for a reason. But yeah, but I, I think that would be, for me, that would be amazing. It's not every, you know, it's it's not a very often thing where you absolutely destroy um, a game system. Um, so they, they took full advantage of that, I think, with the end times. Yeah. Excellent choice, excellent choice. Um, my top choice, I think, is so obvious that this needs to be a Warhammer animation series and that's Go Trek and Felix keeping it old world yeah. um, I mean you could you could set it in um, the mortal realms and, and have um, Go Trek and his new mates of which I can't remember the names of at the moment but I you know as much as I've enjoyed the Go Trek stories in the mortal realms I don't think they're as good as when he had Felix by by his side in the old world um, they are the best novels with Go Trek in them uh, and I think they would fit the kind of Saturday morning 
action he-man kind of vibe with a bit of comedy um, between the two of them and the, the supporting characters. I can't remember the name of the other um, Slayer Dwarf who's really cool. Um, yeah, names escaped me. You've got airships in it. You've got the Skaven. I, I think it'd be great. I'd be absolutely brilliant. And I think it's they're big enough names as well that they've got to be thinking of doing an animation on these two. You'd have to have Brian Blessed to voice Gotrek, wouldn't you? Absolutely, yeah, a hundred percent. Um, you were saying how good he was in um, Realm Sorry, and then I finally listened to it, uh, Matt, and I completely one hundred percent agree with you. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, it's a good show. I think that's a good format for an anthology series of its own to have each book as a standalone episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or it, they didn't. They wouldn't even necessarily need to follow the books that we've already read from from years ago. They could be little tales from between those kind of major adventures you, you, you know, frame but... it as tales of felix jaeger and it's him telling the story absolutely yeah i think that would be i think that'd be brilliant absolutely spot on would love to watch that matt do you want to finish us off with your top choice well i best end with a biggie am i if i'm last so can <laughs> you believe that 15 years ago this this sentence was published for the first time i was there the day horus slew the emperor now, obviously, we'd all love to see a Horus Heresy series on, on Warhammer Plus. But if we're thinking standalone episodes, we could well start with that scene where the uh, the Lunar Wolves at the time are reminiscing about the day that Horus slew the Emperor in, in a jokey kind of way, where they went down to a planet with, with an Emperor who, who dared defy the will of the true Emperor of Mankind. And uh, things went downhill pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, just just seeing that that scene animated out would be amazing and a great entry point into the Horus Heresy series. And you know, if we're thinking like twenty minute episodes, literally that kind of that 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 chapter that starts off Horus Rising would make a great show an introduction into Abaddon, Horus, you know, all these these characters that we've we, we've grown to know since then. And yeah, I, I I'd be very surprised if Games Workshop don't do something like that and, and slowly bring the Horus Heresy series into animated form. Do you think they'd wait to... Because I think if they were going to do the Horus, Her- Horus Heresy at Warhammer Plus, they'd have to kind of commit to a, a, a long plan and invest a lot of money into it. I definitely could see them doing it, but I think they're probably going to see how well the animations do to begin with before they commit to such... Because it would be an epic project, wouldn't it? But this is why you just have individual little bits. You don't necessarily have to have the full story back to back. I'd love to see that. But the the Horus Heresy is big enough to have independent little episodes from different periods of the heresy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that was I'd... a cracking opening scene, though. Really, really well done. It was, yeah, it was. 15 years ago. 20, 25th of April, 2006, that was. Time flies, eh? And only now will we starting to come towards the end. Yeah, yeah. There's what, four books left? Not many. Excellent stuff. Well, they are our ideas. Um, we put the question out to the community. You haven't disappointed. So we're going to read out some of your choices next. It is time for the final segment of this week's episode. And it is the time for the community top three choices. Now, a massive 
to thank you to everybody who contributed to this week's top three. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be able to read out every single one of them, um, but there were some excellent choices and we'll do our best to read as many as we can. So starting over on Facebook, Paul Crowcroft, uh, Croft, sorry, his third choice was The Talon of Horus. His second choice yeah, was the okay. first Nagash book from the Time of Legends trilogy. Mm. And his top choice was The Last Church. Dan Topping, his third choice is Cal Jericho stories, like but not necessarily Sinner's Bounty. That could be really cool. I think Necromunda is, is rife for um, stories. Oh, Necromunda series would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, from from the hive, uh, the the hive. Uh, his second choice is more Brian Blessed Realmslayer stories, <laughs> and his top choice is the oral traditions of the Sons of Bayamat. Oh, that'd be fun. Uh, um, <laughs> Brett Heather, hi Brett. His third choice is Brothers of the Snake. His second choice is Horus Rising. And his top choice is uh, was very close to being in my top three as well. Any Caiaphas Kane book, they are brilliant. A good source of comedy uh, in Warhammer um, 40k. Richard Slee, he goes The Last Church as well. He's also chosen The Purge. And Alorian, I'm I'm, I probably butchered that, I do apologise. Uh, Nathan Flanagan, his third choice is The Siege of Terror, of course. Um, his second choice is Ravner slash Eisenhorn. Eisenhorn was going to make my um, top three. Only The only reason he didn't is because we actually know there's a live action series on the way. Um, so uh, that's why I didn't add him to my top three. And his top choice is Gaunt's Ghosts. Uh, and finishing off over on Facebook, we've got Craig Chesters, who simply has... <laughs> But one, two, and three, Malice Starblade. Oh, Malice Starblade would be ace. Which would be really cool. Uh, what have we got over on Twitter, Matt? Well, over on Twitter, Fabius Fulgrim says the Fabius Bow trilogy, obviously. <laughs> uh, P. Allison, Bruna, Bounty Hunter, Ravana trilogy, and the Night Lords trilogy. Uh, Nevermore says the Battle of Nagasha, Zombie Moon, and the Bad Moon. Uh, the Fight of Kragnos and Gordrak. Yes, I'd love to see that. And a Gene Steel Cult Uprising from the cult perspective. That would be really cool to see as well. Maybe the dawning realisation at the very end where they're going to get devoured by a horrific alien monstrosity. <laughs> yeah, that'd be ace. Uh, Marius Gage. Uh, there's only one correct answer. It's the Battle of Kalth. I'm, I'm on board for that. Uh, oh, that Lowe. book is ace. That is a really good book. Yeah, and, you know, we're there Mark battling Kalth. ultramarines. It's, it's got to be done, hasn't it? <laughs> Uh, George Lowe says the first trilogy of the Horus Heresy books is a first series that could turn into a huge series. Yeah, I think, uh, like we said, the Horus Heresy is such a big place that have to start somewhere. And mm, first trilogy makes sense. Um, mm. Space Wars versus Inquisition and Grey Knights and the War in Heaven. That would be cool as well. Uh, Somber Mind says the Broken Realms, the Horus Heresy and the Gotrek series. Adrian Hurst, a Garda story from the Hallowed Knight series. The Overlords of the Iron Dragon. And uh, the Silver Shard, uh, Eric Dacus, Sil- Savage Weapons, Headhunted and Extinction, Wild West Wargaming says, this is really hard, but I'll go for some classics. Horus Heresy slash Siege of Terror, uh, Warhammer Fantasy, the Conrad Novel series, and uh, the Inquisitor series for 40k. Uh, Amon Ra says, Talon of Horus slash Black Legion, Drakenfels and Valdor, Birth of the Imperium. Uh, Darren Winter says, A Company of Shadows, The Twisted, Horace Heresy short story, and A Rose Watered with Blood short story. Hmm. The Black Wolf Necropolis, The Ragmar Black Mane's Saga, starting from Space Wolf by Bill King, and anything Inquisitor-related. 
The purple sparkly unicorns also say Malice Darkblade, Malice Darkblade, Malice Darkblade. I sense some kind of uh, something going on there. Uh, Chris Purdy would love to see the fall of Tanith, the scramble to get the remains of the regiment off the world. That'd be really cool, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah. Matt Brady, the Emperor's Gift, the great work in the original Deathwing story. Orlando Griffonicus says the Siege of Terror series, the Colonel's monograph and Gloom Spite by Andy Clark. Uh, Mark Collins says Master Imus Transgression, War Master by John French, and the interrogation of Salvor Lermentov, to know that one. And finally, Alan Frank says uh, Aaron Densky Bowden's Night Lords trilogy, The First Heretic, and The Crimson Fist. So, yeah, some absolutely amazing picks there. Yeah, some really good choices. Um, they they really are spoiled for choice, aren't they? I mean, these are all kind of a lot of the ones we've we've read out there, and a lot of the ones that are in our top three are well known bits of lore and stories that already exist. I think Jay, you touched on um, your your th- third choice was one which was just a little snippet from a codex. I mean, there's there's so many stories that would make great animations that we already know about. Um, and and a lot of original content there as well that they could dive into and and release and yeah I, I can't wait to see what they put out. You know I'd like to I'm throw an honourable mention the trial of Marathi from the end of the Broken Realm series. Well you know I nearly said the Broken Realm series as a as a as a, a complete choice because I've you know even just listening to you talking about um the books on the on the podcast Matt. They sound like incredible sources of, of stories. Yeah, awesome. What have we got for next week's top three? So next week we want to know the top three models you're most proud of, whether that be conversion you've done, paint job, just managing to, to build and get it painted. Whatever makes you proud, we want to know your top three models. Excellent. You can get your choices in via social media, facebook.com forward slash Bruise and Bruise or over on our Twitter at Bruise and Bruise. Or you can await next Sunday or Monday when the post goes up asking for your top freeze. Just click reply to that and we'll read out as many as we can on the next show. So uh, thanks for listening to us this week. Uh, we'll be back again next week where we're going to be talking probably quite a bit about Warhammer Plus, I think. Um, and of course, all the, the regular content as well. Until then, have a great week of hobby and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Spruce and Bruce podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbruce.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruceandbruce or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruceandbruce.